0: welcome to coffee and creatives we have a super special show for you today and i'm really excited about it today we are interviewing a guy by the name of ty Martino he's a playwright amongst many other things and i think you guys really enjoy hearing his perspective on creativity so grab a cup of coffee or whatever you like and enjoy
1: Welcome to Coffee and Creatives. Today, we have a special guest, Ty DiMartino. Hi, Ty. Hi. Thanks for having me. Ty is an acclaimed screenwriter and award-winning playwright. He has written numerous plays, including Finding Fossils, He's No JFK, and The Darling Siblings, among many others. His plays have been performed at the Road Theater in New Hollywood, Kirk Theater in New York City, the Cherry Lane Theater in Greenwich Village, and the T. Schreiber Studio in Chelsea, the Pittsburgh New Works Festival, San Francisco Fringe Festival, and the Baltimore Spotlighters Theater. That's so many, Ty.
2: I know. I'm exhausted <laughs> You're just reading that <laughs> list. Like, um, oh, many.
1: Ty and his works have garnered such accolades as Playwright of the Year by the Baltimore City Paper. Best production of the 2008 Baltimore Playwrights Festival. Outstanding production by Stage Scene L- L- L.A. I don't know why I started on that. Okay. And to quote the Baltimore City paper, quote, we could use more playwrights like him, end quote.
3: Oh, such a Ty- nice
1: quote. <laughs> Ty is also an, acclaimed, an accomplished screenwriter. He wrote The Pledge and A Christmas Tree Miracle, and the movie adaptation of the musical ticket to nashville and didn't you write the book for ticket to i did nashville
2: too? i did i wrote the stage play too
1: so you, oh so oh. you wrote all of it okay all of it um, book stage play and movie um and his most recent project is the movie tulsa which was just re- released a few weeks ago and we're going to talk a lot more about that later um But Ty is a treasured writer and chai tea latte connoisseur of Frostburg, Maryland. He and his wife, Mary Beth, have twin sons. Um, Also, Ty writes some of the funniest content on Twitter and Instagram, which I, Becca, look forward to every day. So welcome, Ty. We are so happy to have you here. Thank you for taking time to talk with us.
2: Well, it's wonderful to be here. Thanks for having me, and I um, don't know how funny I am anymore as politically, <laughs> you know? I mean, my, my, to my, live up to. my content has become very, very political and, and you know,
1: yeah.
4: a humorous
2: maybe to some, but others are crying. I find so. it
4: funny.
1: But good, good. good. <laughs> um, So... Um, we always start out our episodes by talking about what we're drinking, but I forgot to tell Ty that we were doing this. So his drink was just quickly um, put together, and um, we'll, we'll start with Ty. What are you drinking?
2: Well, you know, I am drinking a—actually, um, I believe I'll, I'll even preface it. It's, it's a Diet Pepsi but it's caffeine free, and it's in <laughs> mm. it's in this great Zabar's mug from the Upper West mug. Side in Manhattan. And I wish everyone um,
1: could see your mug. It's so great. Yeah. Oh, I know, but oh. it's it's. I'll do a screenshot right now, and then we can put it <laughs> there on the, there. We go to like everybody. Oh. Make sure you look nice. There we go. <laughs> it is taken. <laughs> like hide got all it. my background weirdness. <laughs> over here. Make closet. sure everyone sees my books behind me. <laughs> yeah, gotta see the books.
2: So what are you guys drinking?
1: I am drinking Pete's coffee, so I can yeah. be like Christina. This time I have Cafe Domingo, which I think I actually mm. like a little better than the um, light roast I had last episode, because that one was good, but I had the caffeine jitters until like 1 a.m., so... Yeah, it can be kind of jittery. So this one's piece. a little more my mellow
4: pace. What about you, Christina? Um, I... Just made coffee and it's sitting over there. It's, cool. <laughs> <laughs> it's cooling because I'm gonna have an iced coffee. I had my coffee later this morning, so I wanted to wait. Sorry to disappoint, but it's there, over there. So halfway through the episode, when Christina suddenly becomes a lot more articulate, <laughs> yeah, you know, that
1: she started know. drinking her coffee. Did you I know? have it? What about you, Noel? Oh, I'm drinking a Zinfandel out, okay. of oh, a <laughs> a- out of a mason jar.
3: Out of a
0: mason jar. Because all of my other, we're in the middle of packing. So, mm-hmm. um, awesome. so, oh that yeah, being Noel says moving to Texas. I
3: am. I'm oh, wow. In
0: Texas. Um, totally thought so, that was coffee.
4: <laughs> it is not coffee. <laughs> so <dark. laughs> it, it is.
0: <laughs> it's a, a very yummy wine, and I'm drinking out of a mason jar because I was trying to pack my wine glasses and I broke two of them. So,
1: are, is it a Bono box Zinfandel? No, it's oh. a Ravenswood. Oh, because I have a Boda Box Infandel in my fridge right now, and I thought maybe we were twinning. Nope. Sorry. I do have a Boda Box, though. Good job. I'm proud of you. <laughs> it was you got it. it I much. think, Ty, I think everybody should have a box of wine in their fridge because it's not trashy anymore. It's just very nice to have, like, <laughs> a little classy. bit of wine whenever you want. It and- takes
2: up so much room, though. I mean Yeah, that's especially the thing. Like, with,
1: I, with all six of them in there, I really got to move stuff around. Right, exactly. All,
2: an entire shelf dedicated to boxed wine. You know? uh,
1: who needs milk anyways? Uh, yeah. Noelle, I
2: thought you were going to say that you're drinking out of a mason jar because you're from the Western Maryland area. You know, because that's what we well, do she, here.
1: Was well, she's saying? not from the Western oh, Maryland area. She's from the Baltimore oh, area. Is that yeah. where you were born?
2: Is that you were raised?
1: Yeah, I'm it's, from Baltimore originally. Oh, okay. Is that what you say? You say you're from Baltimore? Well, because when I say I'm from Glen Burnie around here, everybody's like, what's that? And I'm like, yeah, it's, so it's right next to Baltimore. And they're like, oh, so you're from Baltimore. I'm like, you got to yes. go bigger. So. Yeah.
0: Oh, So I just like, I don't say I'm from Baltimore. I'm just like, I'm a military kid. Yeah, but yeah. you <laughs> live mostly from
1: like most yeah, of your life. True. You lived. You weren't born there probably. Yeah, I wasn't. Noel and I were both born in Virginia and then we moved to Germany. But then most of our lives, we grew up 10 minutes outside of Baltimore, which in Western Maryland you just I just cut the ten minute conversation about where Gwen Bernie is and say I'm from Baltimore. There you go. It's all there. Right. So Thank Ty, you. have you always wanted to be a writer? Um
2: You know, that was a, a good question you asked, and I, I had to think about it. I think I ha like seriously wanted to be a writer when I hit about thirteen. So I guess mm-hmm. always, you know, I mean Before then, I look in baby books and things, and it says, what do you want to be? And it was like a teacher. One year I wanted to be a pet shop, like not a person that worked in a pet shop, but just a pet shop, I guess, Uh, (laughs) um, and and like a fireman and like just the regular stuff. And then I guess about, I guess about 13 or maybe even a little earlier, I just kind of thought I liked writing. I just liked that part of class and English and... One mm-hmm. one teacher told me I was creative in front of the whole class and then I was just that's all I needed. Thank you. I'm done. <laughs>
1: yeah, I'm done. Takes. And you're it's an actor takes. too, right?
2: Uh you know, I, I saw the questions about acting. I did I have done some acting. I haven't, my gosh, in, in years, but I studied acting in college just because I thought it would help with my writing. Mm-hmm. Like uh, mm-hmm. a writer told me it's like, what do you want to write? And I said, you know, scripts and plays. And he's like, well, then take an acting class so you can kind of understand that world. And it was like one of the best advice, little tidbits I've ever gotten, and I've never regretted that. What and I auditioned.
1: The- oh, sorry, go ahead. go ahead. You. I was audition-
2: gonna say I I auditioned too for stuff. I just took I took a class, and then they're saying as part of the class you should audition, you know, and and do part of the process. And I got some roles, so. It was okay, I guess, but haven't really done it since. My goodness, since my twenties, I I do little videos and stuff like that, but but nothing Mm. on stage or anything.
1: How Mm. how were taking some of those classes? How did that change the way you wrote?
2: Oh, it it just opened my eyes to the really just the pacing of writing and the economy. Like you know, so you would get a script, and you would have to think about well, the line could be said this way or it could be said this way. You tried to think about the writer's intent. So Mm -hmm. I think every actor who gets a script takes it and tries to get inside the head of the writer. So like if a writer is being more concise in his or her dialogue, that helps the actor. And also I think it really kind of puts that fear out, being on the other side of the curtain and saying, would I ask another actor to do this? Mm -hmm. So I kind of have a rule of thumb that I don't write anything that I wouldn't do myself or Whatever you know, it just kind of puts it in perspective, and you kind of feel for the other person. You know, empathy. You know, like, yeah, you're gonna have to do this. Yeah, you're gonna have to say this. Yeah, you're gonna have to slap her. You're gonna. Yeah, you're gonna <laughs> shut him. Yeah. yeah. So it, it, it was good. It just kind of opened your eyes to both sides of the the camera or the curtain. And um, yeah, I recommend it for anybody who wants to be a playwright or a screenwriter.
0: Do you have a favorite um, role that you've played?
2: Uh, you know, it, I. Did a play called *The Foreigner*. It was written by Larry Shue, and that was my freshman year of college. And it's, uh, I got the role of the foreigner, and it was just like a lot of silliness. You you know, he got to make up words. Uh, It's about a a a British man who's very very shy, and he goes to a, a southern like kind of hunting lodge to rest, and everyone thinks. That he is exotic because he's a foreigner, so he plays it up and gets a whole bunch of attention. So that was <laughs> that was a that was a fun play to do, but um, no, not not really. Like th- that that was you know my biggest role, and I just really mm-hmm. kind of is it built a lot of confidence in me too as a person at eighteen to get that role. So I think that would be my favorite out of all of them. Hmm.
4: Yeah. Um... So was writing and I guess acting and I guess the arts in general, were those a large part of your upbringing? Like is your family, your parents, were they artistic? Or how? How do you see that like playing a part in how you grew up?
2: Um, They weren't, my parents weren't very artistic, per se, they were, they loved to laugh. My parents were great people who just love laughter. They love telling jokes. They like being around funny people. They were characters. Their friends were characters. It was a, it was a good vibe to live in the Martino household because of that. You kind of absorbed all these kind of, you know, eccentric people. Um, but my father was a huge movie buff. And
3: mm-hmm. like
2: just seeing him and knowing him, um, you would never guess that about him. But he, he absolutely loved old Hollywood and was fascinated with old Hollywood, and I'm actually named after an old Hollywood movie idol. So, I mean, oh. it's, th- it was that part of his life. And so he would watch movies and want us to watch movies with him and then want to discuss them. What would, did you think that movie was better? Do you like this movie better? So I was, he was always asking my opinion, like when I was like five, like what do you think of her <laughs> acting? Or, so yeah. funny. And so, <laughs> so it just kind of was, yeah, it was always kind of in, ingrained in me to kind of look at movies critically and um, my brother and sister as well but we always had people magazine in our household and fight over tv guide we were a very (laughs) pulp culture family and i think that's where my my uh twitter and uh, social media life is kind of taken from Mm. years of researching all this useless knowledge
4: (laughs) yeah yeah that totally makes sense and it sounds like even like from an early age you were being like taught to think critically about like story and character and stuff i'm sure that played a huge role in like wanting to make your own stories
2: oh definitely and, and and I think I was just saturated with it too like movies and TV and we, we enjoyed entertainment and I think I was just fascinated with good stories and I liked telling stories and, and make believe and things like that so I think that it's just I'm still that 10, 13 year old boy I just I just now have a computer and I get paid for it so <laughs>
1: uh. I actually used to um in the summers work at the local cafe here in Frostburg and Ty would come in and, and I already knew who he was because my husband works for his wife. Um but so like I kind of knew him but he would come in and I'd watch him work and there was like so much focus but also like so much laughter. He would just like he would take a break and like talk with people and make them laugh with a joke, and then like switch right back to writing. And I was like, oh, that looks like he's just having a really good time. He's not like the tortured soul who's dying over the script. He was like, and maybe that was just like a tiny snapshot. Maybe you went home and were like weeping over your lines, but it just always seemed like it was like it's a party over there with Ty. It's
2: it's it's fun to write. I mean, and I, I pity anyone who really has. A, a hard time with it. It doesn't find joy in it. Like, I don't understand why you would put yourself through that. If it was joyless, like even if it's mm. hard, sometimes you can find joy in it or, or find some happiness in it. Like what's that? Uh, yeah. I hate writing, but love having written. So mm. yeah. it's, you know, you know, it's painful going through it, but when, sh- if you have some element that you're happy with at the end, whether it's a product or the accomplishment or whatever, but I just don't understand tortured people in any line of work. Like, why do it if it if it's going to cause you so much pain and, and heartache? You know, like, find something that makes you happy, you know?
4: Yeah. Yeah, yeah we've talked about that uh, before on the podcast, just like the tortured artist um, personality. Trip. Yeah. <laughs> people thinking right. that that's yeah. what it has to be. And like, sometimes it is, but it it doesn't have to be that.
3: Yeah.
2: It's It's funny that Becca says that because some of my stuff is tremendously dark. And so, you know, and people will come to some of my plays. My my movies are different. My movies are usually uplifting and I've been writing a lot of faith-based material for the screen, but my, hmm. my plays are literally, you know, families in a living room screaming at each other. So that makes it, you know, everyone's like, boy, that came out of you. But, you know, in between the laughter at the local coffee shop, you know, this, this angst has come out, you know, so, um. Yeah, I mean, you can do both. You can be happy and and write sad things. (laughs) Or be sad and write happy things, you know? Just do what you want, you know? Yeah.
0: Yeah, I do think that, like, enjoying what you're doing to a certain level, like, if you're going to create, like, enjoying what you're creating is important because that way you also have, like, a respect for the work, too. You know, you're not, like, if you have an unhealthy relationship with it, then it's, like if you hate the process and then you, you're not going to necessarily like the, um, the product. That was something I was reading this week. I was like, oh, um.
3: I,
2: I, I agree. Just to piggyback on that. It also, you know, I, I'm saying, oh, you know, I'm still happy when I write it, but, uh, I was writing a play once and I'd love for my wife to jump in on here, but she could tell when I was writing that play, she said, when I got, she got home from work my demeanor was different. Like I was bitey. I was sarcastic. And there was a character in that play. It was a a young girl who had lost her, her, her older sister was murdered and she was very hard. And I was literally, I didn't know it, but I was channeling her. So I'd spend all day with Holly and then, when she, uh, my wife would come home I'd still have Holly in me and so <laughs> hmm. I would yeah. be like just real short with her and she's like hmm. you're writing that character it's like she identified it right away and then I had to learn to kind of separate it so you can't you can't go into a world and be there for eight hours and then walk out of it and you know yeah. just leave it but sometimes that's hard sometimes that's hard
1: your wife yeah. is so yes. in tune with emotions must Imagine be a good social worker a, or a therapist
2: or something, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, but
3: really? that's
2: the benefit of writing and having a, a therapist or a social worker with you. I, I'll be sitting, I'll yell, What will make a mother leave her child and go? And she'll be like, Well, she could have this disorder or sometimes uh, this trauma, yeah. Oh, yeah, it's like a walking resource, and yeah. she just she doesn't bat an eye like she'll be out in the garden and I'll yell out, Why would a boy? Go ahead and hurt someone if they were had a loving family. She says, well, you know, she'll <laughs> I'm like, thank you. Yeah, no. Perfect. She, Yeah, it, awesome. it's very, very helpful. I recommend it. If you're going to be a writer, marry a therapist.
1: <laughs> All <laughs> right. You. Well, I've got to cover it. Shoot, <laughs> Becca's like, awesome. Yeah. Checked it out. <laughs> Derek um, just wouldn't hear me over the thundering sound of his drums. <laughs> I'm like, why is, is this trauma happening? <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um how has being a father affected your approach to writing?
2: <sighs> well I think
3: <laughs> well, um, I feel
0: like people always ask this of women. They're always like, How is a mother yeah. as a mother how has it affected you as an artist? So this is a good question, Peggy yeah. wrote this question. Or Christina. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's you know, it. Uh, it, That's a good question. Like, I like it. When
2: the when the boys were little, I, I actually wrote some plays and had some uh adult themes or like you know themes of you know murder or anger like just like some very traumatic mm-hmm. stuff would happen on stage and we debated taking them and the, so that really kind of put things in perspective like could they see daddy's work mm-hmm. and um we finally figured out that we could take him and half of the stuff just went right over their head but they're just like <laughs> yeah. wow i'm in the theater and daddy's name is on this piece of paper you know so they got out of it what they needed to do but i think they've seen everything I've done so. I, I don't know. I, I I think that it changed you as a person, just like motherhood or fatherhood changes who you are at the core, and you learn mm-hmm. like about love, and it's a different type of love than any other love in the world. So it must have infused my writing somehow, but I, I don't know. I that's a good question. I, I don't know how. I would have to look at stuff before I became a father mm-hmm. and then after, but. Um, Maybe the depth of my writing has changed a little bit.
4: Mm. Yeah, it makes sense.
1: Have you ever done any other mediums? Um, You said a little bit acting, but that was more kind of like writing prep. Have you ever dabbled with anything else?
2: I dabbled like everyone else in college. I wrote poetry, really bad poetry. And I have a couple books upstairs and um, like journals, like, you know, I wrote in really nice handwriting because I thought someone would find it after I'm dead and be like, oh, this is so great. But then I read it. I was like, you know, I should just burn this. Just get it out of the world right now. Um, so I did that. A lot of people ask me to like write short stories and, and books and things. And I, I don't now, if i have the attention span for that because that seems so like very laborious and like it would be different but um so i really haven't done that i really haven't written anything i've read a few short stories and i freelance as a journalist so i read a lot of feature mm. stories which you can be very mm. creative in and you know kind of sit with somebody get to know them have more quotes so that's like dialogue describe the setting where they're living yeah so I'll do a lot of that. So I think that's a medium that I'm comfortable with. And I enjoy that because it has that creative element to it.
4: Do you find that fiction is more fun because you can kind of like, as opposed to the journalism or some other things you can kind of play more, or do you prefer one like over the other fiction versus nonfiction, I guess.
2: Um, I prefer fiction. Fiction because it's more yeah. challenging, you know. Nonfiction, it is what it is, and you try to make it interesting or creative or entertaining. Um, but nonfiction, you know, writing is all about choices, and I like that. I like, well, this character can do this, or what would make a character do this? I just mm-hmm. ask my wife and then write it that way, but um, <laughs> but it, it honestly is, you know, I like the whole choices, like if they do this, they do this, and and usually in collaborations that's usually where i where i become like a devil's advocate i'm like well you know what's the motivation here why would he do this well that does not make sense like it has to make sense like if i'm working with other writers and we're being creative i want the creativity but it has to make logical sense because as soon as hmm. something doesn't make sense you lose your audience even so if you- even, even if you explain it even if it's like something outlandish and a character does something completely against their their character, if you can explain it to the audience, like I did this because of this, then mm-hmm. you got him. But if you do something else, you've done. It. How many times have you been watching a TV show and a character does something like she'd never do that? And then yeah, you just Yeah,
1: like it, Rory Gilmore having an affair still right, does not make exactly. sense.
2: Exactly. <laughs> I'm guessing that was bad.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so when you write your characters, do you just start with the story and then see how they pop up or do you like how do you form your characters what's the process there
2: it's it's usually story first you know the story is very important so I decide I'm going to tell a story about an autistic janitor at a nursing home and I, I like the idea of writing some somebody with autism you know and so I you know that'll suddenly kind of Um, pop into my head or I will meet somebody and be like, well, that's such an interesting character. He or she is an interesting character and they have an interesting story. And then I'll develop that world around them. So I think it maybe it does start with character. Maybe like Mm -hmm. I want to write about this type of person and -hmm. then put them in a situation. But um, yeah, so usually I, I kind of spend some time get a general idea with the story and then kind of build the character. I was taking some notes this morning, actually, and writing some character background and saying, you know, this woman has been working in this career. She's unhappy, you know, things like that, just kind of broad strokes of that. So, Hmm. yeah, I find people interesting. So I I think that if I can find real life people interesting and put them on the page, that's a win for me.
4: And when you're doing that, kind of like collecting uh, stories or ideas, you kind of just said how you get ideas but do you know like right away like oh this is a good idea or like oh let me just like see what happens with this or i guess like how do you know when it's like a good thing to pursue and how do you know when it's like do you have to kind of see it through to the end or can you kind of tell if it's working after oh. a certain amount of time
2: Yeah i've i've had a lot of start and stops like I've had like some people share some things with me and I'm like, wow, that would, that would make a great play. And then I start writing it and I'm like, no, it's not like, not everything (laughs) is a good play. Like I I get a lot of emails from people saying, oh, you need to, to need to write about this guy he's in prison. And you know, he, he, he found his, he found faith and he changed his life around and he forgave his father. Well, there's no story there. Like, like, like what happened to him? Well, his dad was bad. Did dad kill him? Like, 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 like yeah. what's the story? And so it's hard to explain to people that not everything is a story either. There's mm-hmm. neat people, but they may not have a story. So yeah. like, it's kind of pairing the two. So it's, it's finding an, an interesting character, but also giving them something that will captivate an audience for 90 minutes. So that's right. the, that's the dilemma in that. But I get a lot of emails saying you have to write this movie. And,
3: mm. and sometimes
2: I'm like, there's no movie there, you know, and yeah. that's. That's really hard, you know. Sometimes for people okay. to hear, you're just not interesting enough.
3: No. <laughs> <laughs> That's
0: interesting. Have... I would never. Oh, sorry. I would never like think to write a writer and be like, "You need to tell this story." That's interesting that people do that.
2: Oh, yeah, I get I get a lot of that because I like I said, I read a lot of inspirational faith based films. So they think that mm-hmm. anybody who has a religious experience or a spiritual conversion is worthy of a story. Well, mm-hmm. I mean, we know the ending, you know, and so uh, and it's not, you know, there's a lot of inspirational people just because you're inspirational doesn't mean your story is cinematic or worthy of the state. And yeah. I hate even saying that because everyone's story is important, you know, Don't, but does it make a good movie? No, right. And I've yeah. had to read books where people are like, send me send me their book and say, is this a movie? And I'm like, no. And but I could make it a movie. I could add another character and create a, you know, a, a sort of some sort of dramatic conflict there if you want mm-hmm. that. But yeah, it's it's not everything is a movie. Yeah. You know? And yeah.
4: A lot of bad movies and a lot of bad movies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's where they come from.
3: That yeah, actually reminds
4: me me a little
3: bit
1: of this book I'm reading right now, or now where the crawdads sing and it's like a good book but it's not like there's like a murder mystery that's kind of like thrown in on top of just like this character and this experience and it's like a really well claimed novel and everybody loves it but it seems like that the murder part was just kind of thrown on top of it to give it a plot and there's really not a plot it's just about this character but
2: no, and and that that may have came from um an editor, a publishing house saying, "Oh, we love the idea, but you need a conflict." And so they mm. put that at the: "We'll publish your book if mm. da da da." And so they're like, uh, "Okay, the crawdad com- commits murder." <laughs> you, you did say crawdad, didn't you?
1: <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Okay. Yeah. It yeah. What it is. So yeah, yeah. a is crawdad. Now I, you know, that's a Pixar thing there. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> Do you have any habits and rituals for creating?
2: Um, habits. Other than getting my latte from Becca during the summer. So,
1: uh, <laughs> not this uh, summer.
2: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, you know, I know what uh, You know, not really. I, I was thinking about like you know what I do to prepare. And it's honestly, if I had to wait for the stars to align to write, I would never write. Like I had a friend come over, and one time she was visiting the house, and she's like, "I need to see where you write." I'm like, well, "Okay." So I <laughs> took her, and sh- showed her the computer. I'm like, "There's where I write," and she's like, "Oh, it's a great space. It's a great, you know, great energy in here." And I'm like, "No, it's cl- it's cluttered, you know." So, <laughs>
3: like,
2: like honestly, I kind of do this whole thing. Like, I, I just. I kind of tune out like Becca has witnessed me writing. So I just kind of tune out and write and I can write anywhere. Sometimes it's better to leave the house. So I'm not thinking about the dishes or or laundry, but no real ritual or anything like that. I I have started outlining more as I get older. Like that was something I did not really want to do. And I fought in my twenties because I thought it would impair my creative process or something, you know, like I had these, Stance like oh no 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 I just sit down and it just flows from me but <laughs> but now I I I need to outline and take notes now which is oh. yeah which I recommend and yeah it's
3: just it kind of helpful like
1: even if you are in like inspired or uninspired you just write like it sounds like you don't have to like wait for everything to be completely perfect you just are like okay I'm gonna write
2: right even no, if yeah, it's and not I-
1: like here's this golden idea descended from the gods
2: right sometimes it helps to think it through because like i said there's a lot of start and stops like there was this like i don't know the one script about a pregnant woman who finds out that her her baby like i found this fascinating this woman found out that she was pregnant and unfortunately in the seventh month the baby died and she had to carry it to term mm
3: -hmm. and
2: i just thought that was incredibly tragic and heartless and my God, what would you go through? So I wanted to write about those remaining two months. Like I thought, how would that affect a family? If you like,
3: Mm. and
2: like, I just kind of was like, wow, that would be a great stage play. Well, it wasn't like, like, like like I started writing it and outlining it and shared it with people. And they looked at me like I was heart like, like, why would anybody want to sit for Mm. 90 minutes and watch this pain? and i'm like because it's pain and it it's beautiful and i was trying to pick it and and i i've never been able to write past like 20 pages of that like and mm-hmm. because it was so hard and
3: mm-hmm.
2: like like so yeah i mean sometimes i can just write with whimsy and other times you know i get on a path and i'm like wait a minute where am i headed with this and
4: mm-hmm. i have to stop you know are I you think, uh, go ahead
2: no just with anything you know it's like Sometimes you have to step back and be like, oh, my gosh, this is bad, you know. Yeah.
4: Yeah. Are you the kind of person that can just like write, like stay up till it's finished, like pull an all nighter, go and go and go and go? Or are you more like structured in how you work, like your time frames and things? I know people on both ends of the spectrum that can just like pump It it out in two days and other people take like months and months and months.
2: I write quickly, which is a good thing and, and which has gotten, like landed me a lot of jobs and people have hired me because I can write quickly. And I think it's because my first job out of college was as a reporter. And so that was like, you know, you would go and cover something and come back and then an editor would be over your shoulder saying, where is it, Martino?" And you would just have to write like you know Mm -hmm. you just was like okay you think about it like you go interview somebody you think about it in the car you sat down at your computer somebody was like i need this by this time and you just did it so i still think i have those principles when i write creatively like so i'm always kind of just writing you know so uh i I work both ways it always helps to have a deadline and Mm -hmm. now there's a lot of deadlines as you know i collaborate with people and they're saying Mm -hmm. you know this is the first phase I need to buy this date, you know, and it's, it's hooked to a production or something like that. So um, yeah, I just, it's been a long time since I've just kind of fortunately, you know, everything is sort of, you know, uh, linked to something that's going to happen. So there's a couple projects I'm working on that, you know, are passion projects and I only get to those when it's at downtime and I haven't really, had a chance to work on those honestly since like June so Um, it's been it's been interesting so I mean either or you know if I have a deadline I'll adhere to it and then if I'm really excited about it I'll I'll write all night or until I fall asleep or until something on Netflix is interesting
4: (laughs) yeah that's
0: interesting so we talked a little bit about this already but I was just hoping we could could come back to it about how acting has influenced your writing and vice versa. Um, So you talked some about like how, when you were acting in college, how that helped you kind of consider what you were asking people to do. Um, I was wondering if you could talk about that some more.
2: Well, honestly, I think that it's good to, for anybody who wants to be a playwright or a screenwriter is to read scripts. So when you're an actor, you know, you can read other people's works and how they how they structure a scene and how dialogue is written. So I think that that's just a great thing to do even if you're not really going to go up on stage, just kind of read a script, read a script aloud. There's great ones online, but I think that when I was acting, I physically got to get a script and like look at it and and really see the structure of a scene and how things build. Like what what's on the page it's different when you say it aloud with another person in front of you and, and, and feed off their energy. So, um, I just think that it's, if you want to write plays or if you want to write a movie, take an acting class or just kind of, and you don't have to ever just pursue it, but just to kind of know what it feels like to be in those mm-hmm. shoes of the people you're going to ask to, to kind of say your works. So, and, and you get yeah. have to read scripts. You have to read, you know, plays or take a Shakespeare class or things like that, where you're whoop, whoop. forced to do stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So,
0: what did you say, Becca? Did you say what, Shakespeare?
4: Shakespeare. Big
2: yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> fan. Becca and I are big Shakespeare people.
2: Oh. oh yeah, as you should be. It's so good. Yeah. It's so. Oh. Good. What's,
0: what's What's your favorite Shakespeare play? Twelfth Night. Twelfth like oh, Night. So because
2: nice. it's it's whimsical, and I love anything with mistaken identity. <laughs> and it's it's just so fun. But I mean, I love the Scottish play. I mean we're none of us are in a theater. But um but you know like like I I love that, but there's something special about Twelfth Night when we went to I mm-hmm. been to the Globe and over in London and just that was just so wonderful. It's on and the
1: bucket list for me. So creative
2: yeah. and got a little my little pocket Twelfth Night is around here someplace and um yeah, just yeah, I was like, "That's that's it. This is what it's all about." Like, I just, yeah. I just love it. Yeah, yeah. it's good stuff.
3: He's cool. so good.
0: I took a Shakespeare class in college, and I, um, I think, like reading the play, and then we had to watch the play. Every play we read, we had to watch too, and it just like, you can read it, but until you watch it, you just don't get it. Like,
2: yeah. oh no, I mean, I don't yeah,
1: know where it's... I was going with that, but. <laughs> There's probably that another was... level too of like, unless until like, which we haven't had is until you perform it, there's probably mm. another level yeah. of understanding.
3: Yeah. And
2: with, with that, I've never had to, I was in one, I was in Midsummer Night's Dream, but I was just an extra. All I had to do was clap and laugh. But, uh, <laughs> but I, I always just thought that people are just trying to grasp the language and the I am pentameter mm. and, the, and the, the pacing of it, that I think it would just drive me crazy like like yeah. I don't know if I could do that with my skill set of just yeah. focusing on that plus this then put emotion in the the context it's it would be crazy but I love watching so it much. I love watching
0: yeah. it <laughs> my um my professor was very big on like if you do Shakespeare, you have to do the English accent because it messes up the no. rhythm. No, <laughs> no.
1: Oh,
3: that's, so that.
0: that's a
1: bunch of bull because the accent what, was different then. Anyway, because accents that's change. Good. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's and, what and, I was gonna, and, ask. And, I'm gonna call Rebecca. BS on that one. Let me. Okay, a professor. A debate.
2: <laughs> and and people's interpretation of a British accent could be completely yeah. different. Was it like that's all true. Cockney, you know, or was it
1: RP or like, Yeah,
2: did they sound like Fleabag? Yeah. What, you know? So. <laughs> hey,
3: Fleabag. Fleabag. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Good day, yeah. yeah. mate. You
2: know, they come in Australia <laughs> all of a sudden. You know. <laughs> Blimey! Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> That's good. That's a good. I wish I had said that in his class because I was like, no. But there's so many other good ones. But yeah, that's good.
2: You ha- have to try. That's asking way too much. Read it. Oh, and in a British accent. Yeah. In
3: that... a British accent.
2: <laughs> I think he was secretly recording you guys, Noel. I really do. Probably. And then playing it Probably. later,
3: like, listen
4: to this. He's like, ah, you guys all stink. Probably. <laughs> um. So, Ty, what is the best? This is a really big question, but what is the best piece of advice you would give? Um, you would give to somebody else, maybe another writer, or that you feel like you've learned over your years of writing. Big question. We need the ultimate yeah.
3: best advice. <laughs> the best, yeah.
1: and
2: Distilled. that this is This is Distilled going questions. to three words.
1: The world. Yeah. Well, actually, it
2: is three words. It is actually both. I have two, and uh, they're both three words too, and, and they're not expletives. Um, it's uh, <laughs> act, actually the best advice. I, the best advice, how about this? The best advice that I give versus the best advice I've received. So, okay. uh, the best yeah. advice I give to any writer is just write it, just sit down and write it. And they're mm. like, but what if I was like, no, just write What if I hit up? <laughs> no. And like, if, what if I can't figure out, you know, what to do, uh, but I, uh, but I know what the ending is and then write the ending. Like mm. I'm a big Firm believer, if you stop, like if you're excited about something, whether it be a book, a play, a poem or whatever, and you can see the beginning and you can see the end, which, you know, most people do. And then it's all that middle stuff that's boring and setting up and all that. Mm -hmm. Then write that. Then write, 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 write until you run out of gas and then put more stuff here in parentheses and then keep writing. Mm. And then once you see something on the page and can see the beginning or the end or whatever... Then you can find your way. You can go back and rework it and get to that. So just write it like and yeah. and people think they're gonna get real, like, you know, sympathy for me when they call, and they're like, I'm really hung up, and you know just don't know what to do. I'm like, well, <laughs> just, just keep writing. Just just yeah. keep writing. Just you know, just write, and I'm gonna come back here and write more stuff, I promise, and then just keep going. So, and that always it always feels so good once you have some sort of first draft in any f- shape or form. So, Just, just write it. Uh, Advice I've received that I have on a little post it is write for yourself, Mm -hmm. because when you're starting out as a writer, you, you know, that's all you do is write for yourself. So you say, oh, this is interesting, and yeah, I'd like to do this, and you're really kind of in tune with the muse and the art and all that good stuff. But then as you get into some sort of structure, whether it be a publisher or a producer or other people around you that have a say in your writing, it sometimes that gets cloudy, you know, so you have people that are shaping you and there's obviously a benefit, whether it's a production or money or publishing or whatever. And so you can lose track of what you want or who you are as a writer or as a creator. So sometimes I have to kind of remind myself. Write what makes Ty happy. Write for yourself. So Mm -hmm. those are two different things. Just write it and write for yourself. It's very simple. Everyone should be doing it. Come on. Come on,
4: write (laughs) something. No, that's great advice. I think somebody said, I want to say it was Patty Smith, but I'll have to check. But she said, I wrote to give myself something to read like mm. she wrote oh, yeah. what she wanted would want and that, to read and I,
1: I think, think that's, that's what funny. c.s lewis and tolkien said too or they oh, like, maybe, we'll, maybe like everybody said that, <laughs> that well they just kind of like they wanted to write the yeah. books that they wanted to read and that's yeah, yeah. like, like what the, or the, do you, the, the movie
2: you want to see yeah or the play you yeah. want to go to i mean and it, it's sometimes hard because a lot of times you know and, and i'm approached by people who have you know, an idea and say, can you help me bring it to life? And and it's not necessarily within me, but I can find elements of it and bring it and help them craft it. But, you know, that's, it helps me make a living at it. And um, yeah, it's very important to infuse yourself right for yourself, you know,
3: yeah, because
2: then it's a joy project. Then it's Mm -hmm. a joy project.
0: That's, it's interesting to think, because I think like as a visual artist,
1: for me, some painter, I I don't know that we talked noelle's a painter oh Christina's okay. writing a play and musical. i am a writer writing a, novel. a musical uh, a musical i'm sorry i'm she's writing okay. a music oh that's <laughs> that's I've,
2: I've written the books uh, to three musicals oh I,
4: uh, I need to talk to you yes you do <laughs> um, i think as a visual
0: artist sometimes i can get caught up and i'm wondering if this is the same for like you Becca and you Christina and you too Ty is like instead of painting what I enjoy and what I like to paint and what I find come like compelling I begin to think about like well what do other people want to see what do other people like what other people want to consume media wise rather than what I like and what I want to consume like what do other people think is good art and then kind of fit what I'm doing into that where I should just like maybe focus more on what I think is good art and create that. What's I that?
2: I, th- I think there's a there's definitely the two worlds there. And yeah. I think you can do a little bit of both. The thing yeah. about being an artist or a writer or a painter or whatever is that it's it's a relationship. Like you have mm-hmm. to have an audience. And I've debated this with other writers and creators forever and they're like, well, no, everything is art. And I'm like, well, I, I, I honestly think that you need that other person yeah. to say what that's art to me. Like, like, I feel that, like, I could write everything and put it on my shelf and then just be like, oh, I'm such an artist. But <laughs> it but, but is so and, and are, are you? Like I feel you know, very
1: attacked right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just saying. In a I'm Really just saying, good way. This is
2: good. <laughs> I'm just saying that I think it takes another person to appreciate it and tell you it is art. Like yeah. I, you, you guys know who John Waters are. You guys are from Baltimore, but I saw like John Waters. He does those campy movies like with you know Hairspray and Divine and everything like that. Yeah. And he, I was listening to and an interview he did on Maryland public television. And he says, he hates when people say they're like, what do you do? And he goes, I'm an artist. And he goes, I just hate when people say that. And mm-hmm. I just thought it was so funny. Yeah. And, he's, and I said, why? And, and the, the the person asked why. And he said, because I'll tell you if you're an artist, like, yeah, like you uh, need that other person to kind of confirm yeah. that you're, an artist and and I said that quote one time at a party and I was attacked. I was they were like no that's not true. Art's from within. And so yeah. I think it's an age old question. Noelle. I I I think that it also depends what the task is at hand. Like sometimes mm, I yeah. know I will write something because I know it will sell. Mm,
3: and mm-hmm.
2: do I want to sell something? Yes. So, you know, or I know it's marketable. Like if I write something about this right now in this time in history a theater will want to produce it,
3: yeah, like so.
2: I have that sort of knowledge too. That is the is the is the public ready to consume this? So I think with with painting, it, it'd be a little similar too. Like you're not going to pick yeah. a subject matter that's totally not going to be of interest. But if you do something on yeah. something that's current. But current and different, like you can do the yeah. both. Like it's it's it's, Noelle's it's
1: take a on X Y Z. It's not right. like yeah. completely what the consumer wants. Right, but it's a yeah. relationship and interplay between the two.
0: Yeah, I have I one of my art teachers who is really like she's taken off. She's selling a lot lately, I think. And um, one of the things she said is like your painting isn't finished until it's on a wall and somebody else is viewing it.
2: Well, yeah, That's such but, but a somebody state. would argue no.
0: <laughs> and it's kind of interesting because then you could argue like, okay, well, what about Van Gogh? Like, what about right. like the... Or about the um, light... Emily Dickinson. Yeah, like, exactly. Mm. Like, Yeah, it's it's yeah. an interesting conversation and I don't know. I don't know.
2: I don't think like, there is an answer. I honestly yeah. don't, but I do feel that there needs to be an appreciation for art too. Like it it is, Mm -hmm. it is a relationship. Art is a relationship, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, and I think all artists want to be seen, you know, on some way, like, I think you do it. I I rarely have met someone who just doesn't want someone to read their book and say, Oh, that was great. You know, you want that affirmation that you're on the right road. So that's a relationship. So I don't know. that's, That's, it's a tough one. And, you know, we could, we could debate it, but, on somebody's wall, we'll hang it on your wall and step back and be like,
3: "That looks great." <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. So,
2: The thing that's great about now too is that the world is so much smaller. Like, like mm-hmm. you can put your stuff out there on Instagram, and yeah. or and and so while well, it's not hanging on somebody's wall, you put it out there and somebody stopped and said, "Wow, that's great!" or "Oh my goodness, that." painting spoke to me. So you can reach more people instead of the whole, let me sell this to a gallery. Let me find space. Let me talk. To yeah. them. Stand yeah. out
1: in Cumberland and be like, hello.
2: So, so I think that, yeah, I think that we're in a time now that you can just put it out there and have it be appreciated if you're willing to do that in so many different mediums, which
3: yeah, but, but it's
2: a relationship Instagram's a relationship yeah. Twitter's a relationship Facebook is stupid Your Facebook
3: wall yeah <laughs> <laughs> Facebook wall yeah
1: so what do you do Ty if you get stuck so you're a very fast writer and you just write it but what if you're like you've really hit um, a wall and there's nothing painted on that wall how do you get around that
2: I usually if I don't have beginning and an end when i sit down and that was usually if i was writing an essay in college or writing a news story i knew what my lead was and what my end quote was and then i'd find the in the middle so i've all often always thought about that because um i also am a firm believer that people who come to movies or go to movies or come to see a play only remember the last 10 minutes of it like and how Mm -hmm. they felt you know, like you can have them all the way up there, but if you change something in the last 10 minutes, they're like, oh man, that's stunk, you know? Or honestly, they, how that, cur- when the curtain goes down, how you made them feel, it could be sadness, it could be whatever. They only remember the last 10 minutes. I, I honestly believe that. So you take them on a journey, yes, but it's very important to kind of have them leave with some sort of satisfaction or some sort of emotion, right. have them achieve that. So, and it could be frustration or whatever. But anyway, um, so I, I always try to have the beginning and the end and then work it out. If I hit a wall, back to your back to your question, I usually try to write through it. Like like I'll just like I said, I'll skip over it and then write something next. Or sometimes I've seen the beginning and the end, and then there's no story in the middle. And so I'll abandon those projects, like mm-hmm. I just kind of described. So you just really need to know when this isn't working and that's hard to do and i'm i'm sure as artists yourselves you know writing the musical and the novel and even painting you're like wow you know it's hard to say this didn't work out i've wasted i don't X want to kill
1: my darlings a- or my you darlings. must kill your darlings <laughs> or, yes.
2: or get an editor to kill their darling you know
1: <laughs> or, the, or, or the thing is is that it's not
2: necessarily dead so if i create a character that i'm in love with and the story's not working I can take that story, uh, that character, and put him or her in something else. Mm.
3: So mm. you can
2: you take them with you, or take you know characteristics of that of that person, and you know elements of a painting, a book, things like that. Yeah, it's it's all about choices and compromise. But yeah, it's hard to kind of surrender and say, "Eh, it's not working. No one's going to want to read this." You know?
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
4: Totally. Um, so we talked about Shakespeare a bit, but do you have other great influences, uh, movie-wise, other writers, plays?
2: Yeah, I'm a I'm a sucker for Tennessee Williams. Uh, mm. I love I love Tennessee Williams plays because it's it's always about relationships and and there's like sort of makes your heart hurt. You know, mm-hmm. I, I kind of I like that feeling. When you're kind of like, oh, you know, so
3: Yeah.
2: Yeah, like if if yeah, I, I love Tennessee Williams and all Tennessee Williams uh has written. Um uh,
1: you know, as for He's so different in the way he writes plays from other plays that I've read, which is pretty limited. But I just yeah. remember when I started reading them, I was like, Oh my goodness, this is like a novel, that's a script, or it's so lyrical right. and poetical. Mm.
3: Yeah
2: and 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 he does and it's there's a romance to his his work and it's just so so rich and so Mm -hmm. yeah i've just always been a been a fan of tennessee williams um and gosh you know as for like movies and stuff like that i mean i kind of like everything i like to laugh so you know i like traditional comedies like you know mel brooks and things like that so it's kind of doesn't really influence my play. I know, so good. And, um, you know, I'm a big fan of uh, uh, Tina Fey and Robert Carlock, who created 30 Rock, and Kimmy Schmidt. And they have a really smart sort of fast-paced comedy that I admire and wish I could do and things like that. So, yeah, I mean, I kind of flock to different writers and things like that. It's it's all over the place. But I I feel I absorb it all. Like, I feel Mm -hmm. like I take it all in, which is what you almost have to do. You have to expose yourself yeah. to a whole bunch of different elements to, to be well-rounded.
4: Definitely. Yeah.
2: So Shakespeare to Mel Brooks. That's,
4: that's <laughs> there you go. Quite the range. <laughs> there
0: you that's, yeah. I mean, I think that's, like, one of the things that Shakespeare does really well. Like, if you look at Hamlet, is like, Hamlet's, like, so beautifully sad, but it also has some, like, really funny parts, too. It's, like, because oh, it's yeah. got that depth. It's, like, um... Like when you cook or something, you know, you have something sweet with something salty and it kind of, you know, makes the dish even better.
2: Well, it's just a part of life, too. I do think it's an accurate depiction, like even like and I think that when something's so incredibly heavy, the audience will find a reason to laugh. And you Mm -hmm. don't want them to laugh at something that's that's horrible. (laughs)
3: Like I always
2: think of I don't know if you guys have uh, how familiar you are with the, the play Steel Magnolias. It's like mm-hmm. there's that big scene where where um, Malin loses her daughter, and she's crying. She's talking about how her daughter was so young, and she has a baby, and blah, 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 blah. And then halfway through it, the other character, she's like, I just want to punch somebody. And they, she grabs another character, like, here, punch her, knock her lights out. Mm-hmm. And everyone laughs, and it was like this big release because it's so heavy. Mm-hmm. So if you can find that balance, you mm-hmm. know, and... Of just you know, give me something to chuckle at. You'll have you'll win an audience over because they don't want to be so tense. You know, you got to make them smile. You got to make them smile.
0: Yeah, and I think the same is probably true for comedy. Is like really good comedy also has like a little bit of like really serious stuff in there. Mm -hmm. Like I think about Mel Brooks. It's like he's got some like serious like political commentary in there, (laughs) and like Men in Tights. I'm thinking about, and it's like that helps the comedy stand out more and just makes it well really well rounded
2: It's a good um, balance cuz that's life that's yeah. life you know what i
4: love yeah. about flea bag it's like so <laughs> oh my gosh it's it's so heavy so but like so hilarious i can't i love it
2: it, yeah, it is and it, it's so brilliant so but she breaks your heart you mm-hmm. know i mean it's funny and everything but at the end you're just she'll she'll make you cry you mm-hmm. know i mean because so smart i like smart comedy i like i like that yeah. and mel's tina's funny uh, Phoebe's funny. I mean, so there's these people that write these balances. Like, they, you know, Ricky Gervais, I think he has mm-hmm. an element there. I don't know if you guys have watched Afterlife or even The Office. And yeah, it's that you're uncomfortable and you're laughing, but, you know, it breaks your heart. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. I like Ricky Gervais a lot. He's really interesting to me to, like, watch. Because sometimes they feel like he gets mm-hmm. it. Like, he hits it right on the head, and then sometimes it's like, Nope, that didn't work.
2: <laughs> I don't think Ricky cares. That's the thing. When you're yeah, talking about ready yeah, for yourself. Ricky has so much money, and everybody wants a piece of Ricky. He doesn't care. Like yeah, I yeah. would be in that position, you know. Like, right. oh, I, I, yeah. I'm, I'm doing this now, and you're going to love it. You know. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yes, yeah. Ricky. Yes, Ricky. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, do it in it a British good. accent.
4: <laughs> there you go. It makes everything better. It does.
0: So, what, what are you working on right now, if you're able to share?
2: Uh, a couple things I, I can share. I, I've actually just finished the uh, first full draft and got the producer's blessing on it of a um, of a script that was adapted from a book. So uh, the book's called A Heart of Steel, and it's written by an author by the name of, brilliant author, by the name of Kevin D. Miller, and we met through a series of friends. and. It was one of those, would you read this book and see if it's a movie? And oh, it was, thank God.
3: But, <laughs>
2: <laughs> so essentially it's about a, uh, well, it, the book is all about his ancestors. Like Kevin in real life uh, found out that his uh, his grandparents had like uh, this deep, dark secret. Like he didn't know. Mm-hmm. And then he started doing, He you know, he went to a funeral and um Well, the book is about the deep dark secret of his grandparents and what happened there and there was a murder and how his grandfather rescued his family and it's a it's a it's a period piece and it's great and so he gave it to me and i was like this is really interesting and it's all about your family i said but i think the element that's missing from this script is you like the fact that he was or a relative of his was at a funeral and someone came up to him and said you know miller's not your last name and he's like what and then they're like, "Oh yeah, there there was a murder," and 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 he mm-hmm. was like, like just blown away. And so they gave him all these news clippings, and he went down this rabbit hole and found out that his family wasn't really his family. And I said, "That's your movie. The movie is you in it." Now his book is just about the story. And mm-hmm. so I I worked with with Kevin and a producer, uh, good friend Kevin Sizemore, and we we came up with a story that would combine both elements with flashbacks Mm. and things like that. And so I'm really excited about that. This is my first time adapting a book, a novel into a movie. And I'm, and it it was great. And, you know, I tried to do it with respect because I wanted to respect the author's work and the novel. And it was, it's just been a good relationship. So I just got the blessing on that script last week. And so that's going to start hopefully production coming up soon. And, um, yeah so that's one and then i'm working with um another individual on uh i just actually was just hired last week and we're starting to talk about an interactive play that's going to take place on the streets of san francisco and like what that oh. looks like like it's going to be like the audience will be equipped with headsets and they'll kind of stumble across these little action things and so honestly that's just at the beginning right now so, that's
3: so cool. we'll that sounds see what happens. so cool
1: that yeah sounds awesome
2: so you I've been to have very masks very and fortunate.
1: Social distance. Very <laughs>
3: yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, it will be fine. Yeah, this is
2: always we're always like after COVID, you know, and then we're talking yeah. about the subject matter of what the thing would be, and I just don't want it to be anything to do with COVID, you know. What? Mm, I know, yeah. Just so yeah, I mean that's very 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 in the infancy stages, and um, so I'm starting to think about that. But I always have stuff going on. I write some web shows and things like that. Like people need little comedy bits written for their web shows, and I'll do some ghost writing there, but. Um, yeah tremendously busy and in COVID actually kind of everyone's like oh how was your life affected and um, while some things that were supposed to go in production have been halted and that was you know disheartening a lot of producers have reached out to me saying I'm sitting around I need this script so when we come back in production we'll be ready so I've been doing a lot of writing during quarantine which is which is great
4: yeah that's great
1: Can you tell us a little bit about Tulsa, about, like, what that movie is about and why people should go see it?
2: Yes. uh, Tulsa is um, in theaters now. We opened up, I think, on August 21st, and we have a deal with Regal Cinemas across the nation. And it was their first time opening since the pandemic. So... They were starting to get into, you know, opening up theaters again. They didn't have a lot of content. So they're running like the Goonies and Jaws and some classics to just get people comfortable with coming back to the theaters. Mm. And then they saw a screener of the movie and they were like, we want it. We want it for our theaters. And so would you be willing to put it out? And so the producers were like, heck yeah. And uh, it's been out and we've been getting a lot of positive reviews online and and from some of the publications. Uh, Tulsa is a faith-based film. Um, It's about a young girl named Tulsa who um, is in the foster care system, Becca, and uh, (laughs) and she goes and she uh, has a displacement there and she works with a social worker and she finds... her father, her real father, and he's a biker and an ex Marine and, uh, is just, uh, an addict and drinks and is just not ready to have a child. And she kind of comes in and she's, she's very strong in her beliefs and she's a strong Christian and she tries to turn his life around. So it's a, it's a cute thing. And and the young girl playing Tulsa, she's nine year old and, uh, her name's Livy Birch and she's just, A star and so she carries a lot of the movie and Scott Pryor who plays the father He's just a phenomenal actor and brings a lot of different levels. So uh, it's getting a good. It's a story about redemption and hope and Mm -hmm. um, This what we
1: need right now
3: Mm -hmm.
2: Exactly this (laughs) one came to me because of a a mutual friend and Scott is a is a writer and a producer and a director and an actor and um, He wanted It just needed some help with the script. So this is the first time I ever co-wrote anything. So that was a, that was, yeah, that was a learning, learning experience and give and take. So it was, it was great to kind of sit with Scott and his wife, Laura, who are the producers and talk about the story he wanted to tell. And then, you know, I would give my input and we would craft the story together. And then I did the first pass at the script and send it back to them and they would kind of go back and forth. So that was a good experience because you know, before it's like, no, it's this, and then he would say, No, I really want this, and we would have to give and take on it. So that any collaboration in the arts, you know, it's all about, you know, going with the best idea. Like you have mm-hmm. to like you have to have an understanding, like, okay, we're gonna be different here, but the best idea wins. You know, yeah. So yeah, that's been great. And it's it's a fun movie. I mean, I'll I'll send you guys a, a clip.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So Can't we're be- gonna play a clip right here of um maybe Tulsa okay I'll stay Uh,
3: she can't I mean you wouldn't
0: Uh, Tulsa sweetie it's not that
1: simple Mm -hmm. no you don't have a place for me to stay but it's okay now I found my father sweetie
4: it's much more involved than that that's right yeah tell her I mean, there needs to be meetings, interviews, background checks.
2: And I'll definitely fail those. All of them. I
4: mean, this
0: place needs to be cleaned up and inspected.
3: We'll be ready. Don't worry, we'll fix you. Is my room done there? Don't. Um,
4: so Ty, we are going through Twyla Tharp spoke this season. Okay. Um, the Creative Habit. I don't know if you're familiar. No. That's okay if you're not.
3: Yeah.
4: Um, and she talks a lot about habits of creativity, etc. And um, this, these questions we're going to ask you are just meant to be like off the top of your head, short okay. answers. Um, we've gone through these questions in a prior chapter. And it's just kind of like about your creative DNA, just getting you to think about like how you create and why you create the way you do. Um, so I just have three quick questions. The first one is what is the first creative moment you remember?
2: Um I guess playing with my little people. Like uh <laughs> just so my, like like <laughs> yeah, the little Fisher-Price <laughs> little people, I would, you know, I would spend hours just kind of incorporating all these like stories with them and and it was always everything always had a story with it whether it's, you know, playing with like little, you know, army men or anything Mm. like that it was just always a story like i always wanted the story was so important like why are these people here playing you know why are they living in this house and it's kind Mm -hmm. of stupid but i always was thinking beyond that and then the other thing was um the uh, teacher telling me that in front of the whole class that i was creative and i was just like that's it thank you because it's different. Yeah. It's, it's different. <laughs> Teachers are so important. Teachers are yeah, so important yeah. and it's the difference between your mom saying, Oh, you're so funny, Ty, or, you know, your brother and sister are laughing at your jokes, but to have someone who is not, you know, who does not love you, you know, as, mm-hmm. as in a family <laughs> way to say, Ty's creative. I, I can still hear, still hear her mm-hmm. saying it. You know? That's so cool. And, yeah.
4: Um, and then which artist do you admire most and why? It's a tough one.
2: Yeah. I mean if I said Shakespeare, I don't know if that would be a cop-out because we talk so much about <laughs> her. But anyway. um it, it he's just his work is so brilliant and so layered, and honestly, it's all about you know relationships and um it's affected so much of the world and you know nobody mm. does it better and You could probably come back every story that's, you know, in print or on the screen has Shakespearean overtones to it somehow. I mean, we could, we could argue that forever. So, I mean, Mm -hmm. I set the goal early on, you know, and set the bar really, really high. So I think I should read more Shakespeare, but, um, yeah, I think that. And again, Tennessee Williams, like mm. I like to have my heart broken, you know, and <laughs> I always, and, and sometimes in every script I want to I want to either I want I need to fall in love with my characters and I need to cry. I need to like, oh, you know, and so mm. if I don't hit that aw moment, then it's not a successful script for me. So, mm. yeah, Tennessee Williams can break my heart
4: <laughs> any day, anytime. Um And then what is your idea of mastery?
2: Ooh, um, I think that it's knowing what you want and fighting for it. Like, I think that the thing about being an artist and being creative is that you do want input, but you don't want too much input. Like you still want to to keep what you feel is important to a story, to a painting, to a book or something and kind of go with that. So I think mastery is that sort of balance between the two. Being able to take Mm -hmm. the good and throw out the bad. Because, you know, sometimes you get with a person who is, you know, you think is smarter, better positioned, or owns a theater, or, you know, it just has money or whatever. And you're like, okay, whatever they say goes. But sometimes that's not good. That is not good. You need to fight for your thing. So Mm -hmm. I think mastery is like... Honestly, a balance between that two, sticking to your goals and what you want, but then doing a healthy balance. And if you reach that part and you're comfortable with that, and you can walk away from a project if it goes off the rails, then I think you've reached it, you know?
4: Yeah, I love that. That's a really interesting, unexpected answer, but I like it. What has yeah.
2: other people said? Like, what, what did they kind of say? <laughs> yeah.
4: it... I don't know. We haven't asked that yet to, a, oh, to any wow. other guy. Yeah. Yeah. You're the
1: first. Yeah. You're our, only our second interview of an artist. Oh, so. sweet. Sweet. Yeah.
2: I bet they, well, I bet you they didn't have a Zabar cup.
1: <laughs> they <laughs> they did not. not. They yeah.
3: did
1: not. Yeah. Well, Ty, thank you so much for spending some time with Coffee and Creatives. It's been a joy to talk to you and um, can't wait to see what you do next
2: well thank you for having me and this is a delight i've been looking forward ever since you guys invited me and um this was very painless which was great.
3: (laughs) (laughs) always a good thing always a good thing always a good thing
2: (laughs) all right well thank you
0: thank you for listening to coffee and creatives we hope that you enjoyed the show our theme music is by patrick nichols derek mccauley is our sound engineer Patrick Nichols is our other sound engineer. Anna Wayne is our social media creative. Christina Nichols is our special event and guest creative. Rebecca McCauley is our writing content creative. And Noel McManus is our creative director. To learn more about our creative journey, check out our Instagram at coffee underscore and underscore creatives or our website at www.coffeeandcreativesproject.com. If you enjoy our podcast, please leave us a comment and rate.